If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. This is pretty much pop, a culture podcast, often used as a selection tool by predator aliens to figure out who's badass enough for them to bother hunting, just so you know. That is absolutely terrible. What is going on? Today we're discussing the Predator franchise in light of the new prequel, Prey. This is Mark Linsenmeyer, and while I've perfected my camouflage device, I just can't stop giving away my position by incessantly making this gosh darn clicking noise. (laughs) Uh, Introduce yourselves. Lawrence. This is Lawrence Ware. I'm very dejected in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and I can't help but give away my position by all the farting that I'm doing, so (laughs) Predators are able to see why. (laughs) Maybe that is what the noise is. (laughs) Maybe that's what it is. Sarah Lynn. I am Sarah Lynn Brock, and I'm a writer and a writing professor. I didn't have anything clever to say other than maybe if it bleeds, then we can have a thoughtful conversation about it. (laughs) (laughs) What what is that? That was terrible. (laughs) It was terrible. I'm standing by it. I stand by it. I'm Al Baker from Leeds in the UK, and I have some kind of moral code, presumably, although it's quite difficult to decipher at times. (laughs) Nice, there we go, that's a good one This is a historic thing because Al and Lawrence, two of my favorite guests that have never been together on a podcast Mm. because of their schedules because the time zones and things pretty much never never work Well now we're here, now we're here I'm going to treasure it Where do we want to start with this? We got a new film that's pretty good I used the opportunity to rewatch these things that I have not seen in a long time I think the only one I'd never seen in any form was Alien vs. Predator Requiem, which no one should see in any form. So That's a bad movie. That's a bad movie. <laughs> I've never seen a Predator movie up until being invited onto this podcast, so I got to four Predator <laughs> movies, and I'm very glad that I did. I had a great time with all of the movies that I watched, all of them very different. And what, Lawrence? <laughs> I'm just shocked. I'm, I'm, okay, okay, here's the thing that's really messing me up. Predator is like a seminal film for me. Like that's one of my favorite go-to films. It's up there with, well, Predator, the original Predator, Predator 2, I think is really, really good. It's underappreciated. Those two films are up there with like alien to aliens for me. Like I love those films. Those are really important films for me. So to be on a podcast with people who have never seen the films is like shocking. Like I can't believe it. Well, Mark's seen it. Let's them. say refreshing, Mark's refreshing. Yes. That we get fresh I'm just, takes. I'm legitimately shocked. I, but it's I, fine. It's fine. This is great. I, I did show fine. it to my kids last night for the first time. This is the, the original How film. The original. Uh, in college. Hello. They're both in college. Okay, that's fine. I mean, they were second screening during some of it. <laughs> I'll say that. that <laughs> it's a little slow. It is pacing, a little slow now. Yeah, yes. It is a little slow now. Sarah Lynn, what was your, had you seen any of these? I had seen the first one. I saw it on a VHS mm-hmm. tape in college. And I'm probably not the audience for that <laughs> movie, but I enjoyed the second watch because I just watched four of them recently. And I was really surprised at how funny it was. Like it really doesn't take itself seriously. And that's not how I saw it when I was, you know, 19 or 20 or whenever it was. And I really, really enjoyed Prey. 
that one was on my list of movies I really wanted to see this summer. And I was happy to. So Dan Trachtenberg, the director of Prey, is kind of a friend of mine. So I do need to have that little little bit of a caveat that whatever I'm going to say might be colored by the fact that I know the guy. So it's up on that. Well, it was a great film, except for the directing. The directing was shit. No, no. It, it was, was terrible <laughs> fucking directing. I thought the direction was shit. Shit ass. Yes, it's getting a lot of talk that, you know, the full-on Comanche the fact that you can listen to it, I didn't hear it until after I'd seen it, that you could watch yeah, it. I watched that version. But they're hearing an overdubbed in Comanche, I don't really understand. Like, I would rather see them actually talking Comanche on the screen for the whole time with subtitles. I guess most of them yeah. were not that actually from those tribes. Comanche is one of those languages. So I'm a member of the Choctaw tribe, and Choctaw is really working hard to reclaim the language because a lot of people are dying, and so they don't the language should die and whatnot. Comanche is the same way that a lot of the elders are dying and so they're not able to kind of hold on to that language. And so it's one of those things where not a lot of people speak that who are that age. Now, I will say that it's kind of a miracle that they got it to be overdubbed in Comanche. I think it's something that's going to be like stand up to the test of time. Although it wasn't the best viewing experience for me to watch it in Comanche. It was kind of trash. To be honest. The actors, they dubbed their own lines. They actually mm-hmm. all agreed mm-hmm. to do their own characters in, yeah, in that language. And actually, and I thought that language itself was really interesting because we are in the point of view of Nauru and when they're speaking, when the French guys come in, that's not, yeah, we, we, we don't, get we don't understand what yeah, they're saying. And I just thought that was fascinating. It's looking honestly, Mark, like this movie was not decent, but fucking great. Really, really goddamn good. And maybe you're a little bit harsh on Predator films because Predator, this is honestly one of the best films of the year I've seen so far. It is really legitimately good. I've seen a lot of different kind of movies, but this is really, really up there, man. This is a really good film. All right, Descent, Descent, Al. No, no No. Descent at all. I thought it was an absolutely fantastic movie. But since we have got onto the Comanche and the overdubbing super early doors, Mm -hmm. one thing that I wanted to talk about, which I was kind of confused by, is the choice, and maybe, Lawrence, because you know the film so much and because you know something about Native American culture a bit, you might be able to help me. The choice of which tribe to use. I was super impressed. It seemed like really authentic. But one thing in like looking up, reading a bit of background is that the Comanche tribe wasn't based where the movie was based, where the movie was set. It's like they're way, way different parts of the country, which just seems like an odd compromise to make to me, given that the filmmaking so clearly focused on giving like a reasonably historically truthful and accurate and like First Nations perspective on this kind of story. And I wondered if it might be something to do with the fact that they wanted to encounter white settlers and because of the gun, they wanted to get that in there. So they needed to move the geography around a bit to somewhere where they would have encountered white settlers. But in that case, why make it Comanche and not Sioux? Do you have any thoughts on that? I w- that was just weird to me, given how clearly important it was to the filmmakers to be accurate. I'm sure there's an answer to that. To be honest, I have no idea. I do know that, that the tribe that they are dealing with is kind of really a hunter tribe. And so that kind of melds with like the themes of the film. But why they made that decision, I have no idea whatsoever. Now, I do think that it's now we're getting a little bit in the weeds here because there's there's a connection to Predator 2 having to do with that particular gun and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that we may need to kind of get into, but I do wonder why that is. I have no idea. I do wonder why that is as far as why they made this. And I'm sure there's an answer. And there's probably someone who's going to listen to this and going to email Mark. They're not going to email me. They're going to email Mark and be like, hey, actually, what actually happened and give us an answer. But I have no idea what that answer is. 
you know, it's funny that all of us watch sort of a different selection for this, but this is, I don't know, unique among franchises, but that there's no sequelization to speak of. Like, it's good to have seen the first movie first. I was really trying to have my kids not see any of the other movies because it's just such a gradual and rewarding reveal when you actually get to see the Predator at all in the first film and then to see it without its mask. I didn't want that spoiled by just, you know, but it probably is already spoiled. It's around, it's a, you know, an iconic image that is around the culture. And so it just seemed unavoidable. But yeah, there are some connections and occasionally they'll say back in 87, we, you know, they'll, they'll refer to something from a past, but it doesn't matter at all. And I guess the AVPs are not canonical. I heard somewhere. The AVP alien or spreader. The first movie is pretty good. Pretty good movie. The second movie was trash. Like AVP Requiem is really bad. AVP, it's bad, but it's good bad. Like it's entertaining bad. You know what I'm saying? But like I would put those two at the very bottom of the list, probably with The Predator, which I think is a really, really bad film. But Predator, Predator 2, Prey, those are up there. Those are really, really, really good. I think those are really, really good. But yeah, Alien vs. Predator is really not canon. It's not really something you should kind of concern yourself with when it comes to like the continuity of the Predator films. I hadn't realized, so in just seeing Predator and Predator 2 in the past couple days, that the music of Alan Silvestri was so essential for everything. Like in the original film, there's a lot of nothing going on. There's a lot of just walking through the woods. And if it didn't have that constant, and some of the, the actual music cues, I was paying attention to a couple moments in Predator 2 are just bonkers of like, when he like looks up and sees his friend's bracelet hanging from a tree, there's just this weird. That was so weird. I didn't know whether that he could, because he was, he seemed to be reacting to the music and I didn't know whether that was like some weird <laughs> sound trick the Predator was playing on him or if it was, yeah. But. The score in Prey though, I thought was excellent. I thought it just added so much to the whole vibe of the movie. I mean, it was beautifully shot. I mean, that I can't stop thinking about that long grass that she's walking through. That whole sequence is just gorgeous. But the score in Prey also was just excellent. It's I love how they've taken this franchise that seemed to be on its sort of last gasps and really revived it. I was very happy that it was a good film. It's such a great version of, it's like the best possible version of a reboot for this franchise, or it it seems to be, because so much of what was interesting about the first movie has been like revived and revisited in, in Prey. One thing that really stuck out to me was how many like fight scenes were shot in just one long wide and how much of the actual fighting you got to see on camera which you just don't see in action movies anymore now and it just the fight choreography was some of it was incredible when she was taking out the trappers towards the end there that was just awesome as opposed to avp requiem the main thing besides a bad script and everything that made it unwatchable is all the fight scenes were in the dark very and close, close very up. Close up. Yeah, so you could like, close. something is happening. Somebody has pushed some, some, I don't know what just happened. That, that's mm-hmm. what. Well, what's happening is that, and this gets into a larger discussion about film is that what's happening is that it takes more time and more effort to pull the camera back and to see the fight. So for example, John Wick or something like that, you know, when you pull the camera back and you see the fight choreography, it takes a lot of time to kind of learn the fight and get in shape and do all the kind of stuff. Whereas now you can kind of zoom in really, really closely, do these MTV kind of cuts where it's multiple cuts and the person has to learn anything. 
there's no like really coherent fighting to the film. And that's one of the things that this film does very, very well, because this film is kind of quiet. It's very still. And when the action happens, you see everything, which I think is really, really brilliant. It's a really, really good way of making a good action film. There's none of these using editing to kind of make the film coherent. It's a really, really well shot film that tells an interesting story that we just haven't been exposed to before. And the practical effects, too, worked really Mm -hmm. well. I mean, God, it was so funny going from 1987 to now and what a long way we've come, even just in practical effects, but obviously in VFX, too, even though that some of the animals didn't, that still doesn't quite work. In terms of the the practical effects, even watching Predator and Predator 2 side by side, like the, the Predator looked awesome in different ways in every installment that I saw. Are there any where Predator Predator just looks jank? Seems you have that, even in the worst film, they had access to the suits. And the fact that it is a person in a suit throughout. I don't know if in The Predator, you know, the 2018 film, clearly there was still a guy in a suit, but you had multiple people in suits and one of them is 12 feet tall and one of the, you know, so maybe they had more CGI cheating and it definitely doesn't work as well. But apparently I just read in Wikipedia for the original film, they pretty much shot the whole thing. And that's not what the Predator looked like. And the director is like, this is dog shit. We got to get a different design here. And they got a new special effects guy who just designed that from scratch. So nobody involved at the time of the filming. Actually, I don't know when in the process, because again, it is a guy in a suit. So clearly they're interacting with somebody in the few scenes where there's a Predator actually in the frame with somebody, because usually they're in the trees. They shoot something. They're only like in the, the final fight in a few other spots. I believe the guy in the suit originally was going to be Jean-Claude Van Damme. One of the reasons mm. they changed the suit was because he walked off the set. Ah, jeez. Wait a minute. He walked off. Why did he walk off the set? What happened? There's a different version of the story. Either he didn't like the suit or he didn't like that he couldn't be seen on camera. I was just checking. I, I'd heard, I didn't know if it was an urban legend or not. Maybe. Heard he was, it was supposed to be Jean-Claude Van Damme because they wanted the Predator in the original film to be like just very mobile figure who was able to be, you know, do all this other Jean-Claude Van Damme. That makes a little bit more sense because Jean-Claude Van Damme had always had an ego for me. Especially if he's there opposite Schwarzenegger and the movie is all about how good Schwarzenegger looks. Schwarzenegger is, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. He looks good and cultural memory of Schwarzenegger in the 80s is like just handsome in an only absurd way, but the dude looks great. I didn't want to get weird, but part of the reason why the first Predator is so brilliant and looks so good that dude looks good on camera. Like, he has a lot of charisma. He looks, yeah. like, like, yes, he's muscle bound, but he's like, he's handsome. I found myself wondering of why, when, you know, you have an actor that's notoriously kind of hard to understand, that you have him deliver half his lines with a cigar in his mouth. That, that does not make <laughs> it easy. That's the 80s, man. That's just, that's just the 80s. That's also just that movie, right? You just like, take something absolutely ridiculous and just lean into it entirely. They had to have known whenever they were shooting that film they get to the chopper was going to be funny. They had to have known that. It was strange, though, that he has a couple of his zingers, you know, stick around or whatever and impale somebody. And they're actually kind of close together early in the film. Like when he's fighting the actual predator, none of that. But somehow he can be cavalier about just butchering all these human beings. A part of the movie that I did not even remember in the least. <laughs> Saves the zingers for the war crimes and then the rest of the time. <laughs> <laughs> I guess Predator 2, we got to get out there. So in terms of scenery chewing, 
just silliness like from the first minute where they're fighting this mexican drug cartel kind of guys and those guys are just shooting are they the mexican scenery. are they mexican i, are I they, don't know they're colombian. i know it's jamaican Colum- okay. i think colombian uh, the fact of the matter is that predator 2 is a product of its time it is a 90s action film right it's cheesy crazy shit happening it's a little racist a little sexist, a little but that's a fucking banger, dog. That's a banger fucking movie. That movie is good as hell. And the reason <laughs> why is because it takes this premise and it takes it out of the jungle, places it in a kind of city kind of context and lets you know that the city is a little bit of a jungle. I mean, it's racist, whatever. But the city is really kind of crazy and it's a fun movie. You know, the action star is a black dude. Like, how dare you sit here and besmirch that film? That <laughs> film is, it should be the National Registry how good that movie is. It's got my favorite, it had my favorite shot of any of the Predator movies that I've just watched in it. In the opening scene of that film, one of the Colombian drug dealers gets shot, reaches into a bag of cocaine, pulls out a fistful of it and <laughs> rubs it in his wound. Yes! We yes! rubs it in his wound because Wait, cocaine that's is right, good that's for right, anything. That's right. Oh my gosh, it's so what? It's so absurd. It is so, well, you yes. can't take that movie seriously. Don't take it seriously and you'll enjoy it. The fact that Gary Busey really, is in it, but he's only like the fifth most scenery-chewing <laughs> actor in it. It has Bill Pullman in his early, completely annoying years and <laughs> many other. Mm-hmm. Morton Downey Jr. I had forgotten all about that guy, but geez. I thought it really kind of locked, it's so good for the first sequel to do this, but really locked into what makes good Predator films great, which is you just take a genre, ideally some kind of exploitation genre, like tell a perfectly standard genre story for the first 30 minutes and then just introduce Predator into it. And then that's your movie. AVP was the only one I saw which didn't follow that pattern and it was worse for it. That's what you want to do because Prey does that. Predator 2 does that. First Predator does that. Predators doesn't do that. Predators does this thing, and it's fine. I mean, I don't love the movie, but it it has some people who really love it. It does this, like, really hardcore sci-fi thing where now you're on a different planet and people are hunting you. And the Predator doesn't do that. But when the Predator films are at their peak and they're really, really humming, they're doing that. They introduce this kind of film, and then halfway through, you realize it's this other kind of film. And that's what makes a Predator film a really, really good film. I mean, it seems like they're all, to some extent, at least the first ones, a mystery. And the second one was the only one that was like, actually, sort of a noir. We're discovering what's going on here. Of course, the audience, it's a sequel. They already know. So it kind of a little bit defeats the purpose in terms of, but I thought Predator 2 was actually very well paced. That, you know, unlike Predator 1, where... It's just kind of building tension for a long, yeah, long stretches. It's an 80s, that's a, that's a 80s yes. movie. And, and, you, and you feel it. And even the new film, it is at least a challenge. I think it was well met. But how exactly do you pace this? And when does the Predator show up? And what else do you throw in there? So you have to have a couple of other elements. I was not excited by the whole peer pressure thing. Introducing these sub-antagonists who are going to just like be mean to the main girl and you can't do anything and we're going to take you home by force and this kind of but you have to have something because it can't just be one long face off and like her tracking and discovering that the predator exists you have to have some other stuff going on that's exactly what would have happened in that context well and she also i i was listening to an interview with the director and he was saying that she had to prove that she was actually she started off you know she was a good hunter but she had failed multiple times. Like she didn't get the hawk. She didn't get the tiger. 
You know, she mm-hmm. failed at those times. And so when her brother confronts her about that, he actually has a point. So she has to actually learn as she goes and get better, learn from her mistakes. And that actually I found really fascinating because this is for the first time we've got a character who's smart, who has tenacity, who has determination. And I felt like it was far more of a character study than any of the other predators that I watched. What I liked about that scene as well is that they had those character moments and then they immediately leveraged it into an enormously kick-ass action scene where everyone who was being a dick to her was still like, yeah, these are still the guys and they clearly know what the fuck they're doing. I don't think they dwelled on it long enough for it to be sure. uh, like a bit of klaxony. To be like a, to be like a Disney writing. film where, where right. it is yeah. just, it's merely them being unjust and being dick bullies. and Like they all had a reason to doubt her. On top of that, this is like the unspoken thing that's happening is that, of course, she's a girl. I mean, you know, and because she's a girl, there's this added level of distrust, misogyny, however you want to read that into what's going on here. And so I think that ultimately what we're learning is that Mark is a little hard on films and won't allow a (laughs) film to be great and is too busy asking. Like, I want to see the film that Mark would make because apparently he got a kick-ass idea because this this movie was pretty flawless to me. All right. The next film, Ms. Predator. There are all the. Oh, here we go. Here's, here's this guy. The subtitle: It's late. It's ladies' night. Isn't that alien? It's ladies' night. <laughs> but that that oh, shot think- of her leaving the village, leaving you know, and you see all of the women who are staying home and cooking and doing their medicine thing and all of that kind of stuff, and she is leaving. And I loved that way of storytelling. I thought it was a classic example of show don't tell. She is leaving that. That is not something that interested her. And even though that's what was expected of her during that time. Al, did you just drop a fan theory that says that the alien is actually just the female version of the same species as Predator? <laughs> no, I was making the joke. You were asking for the fear at the Ms. Um, Predator franchise. And I thought it was not just the alien franchise. All right. <laughs> It would give a nice recontextualization of the Alien versus Predator movies if they were just a wildly sexually dimorphous species. It's just Kramer versus Kramer in space. (laughs) That's terrible. That's absolutely terrible. Let's suffer our sponsor break. I was, in preparation for a future episode of this podcast, trying to watch the latest season of Better Call Saul. I signed up for the AMC Plus channel and found that it was not available in full there. So before plopping down a bunch of dollars to purchase that season, I thought to fire up my NordVPN. I pay for Netflix. I use a VPN to tell Netflix that I'm in fact in the UK and voila, the entire season is there for my perusal and the video streams just as quickly as you'd expect. No problems. And once you stumble upon this little perfectly legal hack, you will find so many things on UK Netflix or French Netflix or Indian Netflix or wherever you want to log in things that you would maybe not normally have access to. NordVPN has more than 5,000 server options around the world. But even if you don't care about seeing foreign streaming video, a VPN is a very, very good idea for keeping your info private. NordVPN keeps your information encrypted. You never have to worry about your IP or location getting out. And they've doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature. Say goodbye to intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer. So go to nordvpn.com slash PMP. You can get a huge discount on a two-year plan plus one free month. And they've got a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. That is nordvpn.com slash PMP. 
So Sarah Lynn, you said you sat through AVP, the first one. No, no, oh, not okay. that one. Oh, okay, I watched. watched I watched Predators with Adrian Brody, a jacked up Adrian Brody. <laughs> yeah, we should talk more about that one. Give, <laughs> give us your. <laughs> well, my takeaway is it was pretty silly. It too also didn't take itself too seriously. I don't think I've ever seen bigger guns in a movie before. And I have to say, this also was not a character study. But I thought that the visual effects were an improvement. And I thought that this too was a movie that knew exactly what it was. And it delivered. It was probably not the movie for me. There's a reason why I didn't watch it in the theaters when it came out in 2010. But I thought the movie was really knew exactly what it was. And it had its tongue firmly in in the side of its cheek. What's interesting about that film is that if you look back on that film now, that film has some heavy hitters in there. So you have Adrian Brody, who's won an Oscar. Mahashwar Ali, who we now know is an Oscar. Uh He was nominated for Oscar twice, back-to-back years. You have Topher Grace in there, who is a really underappreciated actor. You had uh, Danny Trejo in that film, who's a yes. really good actor. Like that film Lawrence has Fishburne. Some- Lawrence, Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne. Don't forget. Walton Goggins is now a. Yeah, Walter Goggins is in there as well. Um, Lawrence Fishburne shows up like. Glorified cameo, but yeah. Yeah. That film has a lot of heavy hitters. It is yeah. a really interesting. I think that everyone knows what kind of film it is, right? So Robert Rodriguez is a producer or executive producer. I can't remember which one of those. So it's definitely a grindhouse kind of film. Everyone kind of knows what kind of film it is and they're having fun with it and all that kind of stuff. And it brought in those dogs, those little alien predator dogs. But are those the same? I don't think they're the same dogs that were in The Predator. I don't think they... No, I, I, I don't think compare, they were either. I, they didn't really look the same. Man, I wiped The Predator from my mind. Man, that movie is terrible. I don't know what that movie was trying to do. I'll tell you, when I, I just got to the end of The Predator... And they sort of end with a, nobody's going to care if I give away the very ending, which is there's a suit that now humans can wear and dress like a predator. And the main character is like, ah, that's my suit. And I kind of was like, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing another movie of this guy running around in the predator suit, killing predators. At the end of Alien versus Predator Requiem, I was like, I never want to see another frame of this thing ever again. I'm so glad they all got destroyed by a bomb. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, I, I will admit that Alien vs. Predator Requiem is much worse than The Predator, <laughs> but The Predator is not much better, man. Like, The Predator is really, really lackluster film. What's the actor, the black guy? I'm slipping on his name. Keegan Michael Key, Sterling K. Brown. Now, he's really good in that film. Sterling K. Brown is really he's good, good in, in everything. Film. That's like Denzel. Like, it's hard for him to be bad in something. Yeah. And I expected more of Shane Black because Shane Black is a really good screenwriter. It at least has somebody who is a movie history buff like you will will not care. But in terms of if I was going to show one to my kids for the first time, I might have gone with this The Predator because it has the pacing and the the way that it is stacked in the fights. They're accessible in a way that you don't have to stretch I mean, and say, oh, this is a... This is like a- bad movies, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I did not find it terrible. The dialogue was fine. It was, again... The dialogue was terrible. Packed, what is wrong with you, Mark? Packed with, with decent actors. Listen, I don't know if I can come on this podcast <laughs> if you're going to sit here and say shit like By that. By comparison like, what is going on with here? Alien versus Predator Requiem, <laughs> which I was playing okay, clips but- of that to my son where it'd be like, Whatever we got to do, we got to protect the little kid. And then the guy who 
plays cricket from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia says, what is this, man? The Titanic? Women and children first? No way, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> did that, somebody just wrote that on a piece of paper. You know, somebody <laughs> thought that was good dialogue. <laughs> I mean, I, it's a bad film. I don't know what else to say. Well, I thought it was this one was trying to modernize the franchise, obviously, but I thought the one idea that was interesting was the human DNA mixed in with the predator DNA. It didn't quite work for me, but it was fun to think of the predator as an evolving species. And then as we go back to prey, we can see that, oh, the alien has been evolving this whole time. You know, their technology has been evolving. Even the, the helmet has evolved. That I found kind of an interesting idea. I was really interested in this. What was the point of the fact that the Predator, when he was going after the Comanche, had a very... One thing I noticed is Predator was using like no guns, only had arrow-type projectiles and clubs and things like that. So it seemed to have like approximately similar genres of weaponry to his prey. Is that them saying 300 years ago, Predators had spaceships, but not guns? <laughs> or It wouldn't be fair. <laughs> Or is this a part of Predator's shtick that they like look at the weaponry available to their prey and use those? Or is it just like surface because we're dealing with a Native American story, we're going to have Predator look a bit like Native American-y in some of their garb? The way that I read that was just that it was just an older time. And so therefore the Predator, yes, they do have spaceships, but yes, I mean, they, they didn't have the kind of weaponry that they would later develop. What you see is that them just kind of developing, getting better and better technology. I was thinking that the alien would be using the most advanced technology available to them for what they wanted to do. Just the same, you know, if you're looking at the theme of hunting as sport, that humans use the most advanced technology that they have available to them to kill deer. That's never going to be a fair fight, right? And I thought of the Predator as having kind of the same ideology as we do when it comes to that. Well, this is getting at, yeah, an actually interesting point in terms of what the appeal of the Predator is psychologically. Like, is it the less we know about them, the better? I guess I kind of feel that way, that they have some sort of sense of honor. If they see you completely unarmed, they'll just walk by you. You know, there's some challenge so we can get a little bit out of them. But when it gets to the point in the Predator where like, We've figured out how to translate their language. And actually in Predator 2, it shows like they could make our sounds with their mouth. So it only seems a matter of time before we have a Gremlins 2-esque, a predator that just can talk to you like this. And I, I want to explain to you, you know, that's just like, we just screw everything up. Like we need the predator to remain a little mysterious. Yeah, I, I agree. So like, I mean, I'm deep into the predator guys. So like there's a comic that came out recently that I about the Predator. I got it. I read it. I like it a lot. But the comic goes into like the Predator culture and inside Predator. To be honest, I don't want that. Like when it comes to a film, I want the Predator to be a little bit of a mystery and for the humans to be trying to figure it out. Now, I will say this, that part of what I think that all the Predator movies are trying to do and Prey is certainly doing is kind of having a commentary about our relationship, humans' relationship with hunting and how we are as hunters. And what I walk away from the Predator and all the Predator movies thinking is that the Predator is a little bit of an asshole because he's got all this great technology and he's hunting us knowing that he's already at an advantage, which is kind of a commentary on how, you know, human beings hunt other wildlife 
And we do so at an advantage. We think, oh, we're great. This person's a great hunter. That's cool. But to be honest, you're all kind of assholes because they're at an advantage when it comes to the kind of prey that they're seeking, which I thought is an interesting commentary on just human nature. Yeah, it's that idea of hunting for survival versus hunting for a trophy. Like I, I have zero respect for those guys who go to Africa and they kill a beautiful lion and pose for pictures with it. And I just feel like it's something like that. I mean, if you're killing something and you're using it, you're using the food and you're using the whole animal, that's different. But, you know, just that hunting for sport is pretty gross. So it's pitch for a new Predator movie where a bunch of Predator hunters keep a load of people in some kind of compound off-world where a load of very rich Predators who just aren't very good at hunting themselves can just go and get some easy trophy shots. Perfect. But this is something I wanted to come back to, something you were saying earlier, Sarah Lynn, about when we're talking about like what kind of weapons Predator chooses to use. You're right to a point in that there's nothing about Predator's encounters with humans which, which are fair. But I think, but Predator clearly thinks that it is operating with some kind of sportsman-like restraint. You know, won't kill pregnant people, won't kill defenseless people. I think it's plausible that that Predator like looks at the weapons that are available to the people that it's using and say, "Well, I won't go too far above that," and that makes me a good sportsman-like hunter. Just like people, for whatever reason, will like use rifles, but probably not fully automatics, probably not hand grenades, or you know, weaponry which is available but is like unsportsmanlike. But yeah, Predator's got a cloaking device. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's never going to be a fair fight if something can't, can't see you coming. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. But you do still get a really strong sense of Predator as a, an honorable combatant. I don't know if that's... Honorable-ish? Like, honorable-ish, yeah. And I think that the movie Prey is also offering commentary on that. Because if you remember in the film, so we see the Predator hunting a snake and it skins a snake or whatever. And they, they find the snake and like, what does this that kind of stuff, right? Then Predator hunts a bear. So it's escalating, right? But there's this scene where all these buffalo are killed, right? And they are thinking that it's a predator. Well, they don't know it's a predator, but they're thinking like whatever's hunting them is the one that did that. But it was the white people mm-hmm. who did that, which is honestly a commentary on what actually happened because that's what killed off the buffalo was because these white people doing all this hunting and killing them for pelts and by leaving them their skin. And the predator didn't do that because that's not honorable kill. And so there is this like commentary that I think the film is trying to play with, right? Mm-hmm. That the predator is an asshole, but a, but an honorable asshole. Whereas these white guys, these French individuals who are coming in and, and killing the buffalo and, and doing the other stuff for pelts, they're not honorable. And there is this kind of dance happening where they're trying to play with these themes and whether they do it so successfully, that's, that's open to interpretation. But it's but there's something going on there that's deeper than just the standard kind of sci-fi film it's off the commentary on just history. I don't know how honorable it is to, I'm about to die. So I'll, I'll set off a device that will blow up. According to one of the, the later films, several city blocks worth of space. <laughs> Although somehow Arnold was able to just run out of that, you know, <laughs> run out of that radius. He's, I he's know, but it fast. was so cool looking. It was so cool looking though. And with that laugh, he's learned <laughs> human <laughs> laughter and <laughs> is going to use this to mock it. It was just unclear to me. What? It was, man, yeah, that that was the surprise. 90s. It's a different, it's the 80s. It's a different time, man. It's a different time. You got to meet the film on its own terms. I'm very glad they didn't pick up that predator trick in Prey. Like, that's one yeah, that we can just like die. I agree. <laughs> so, Mark, you had sent us a link to an article about ranking the predators from, you know, worst to best. I'm curious, which 
in your in all of your opinions, what's the best predator? Well, since you asked, you start, Sarah Lynn. You start this off. Let's go right. see what you got. Like, okay. You well, got? I'm going to say, I think Prey, for my money, I think Prey really? is the best one? of the franchise. It's I, It barely ekes out the first one for me, but I, I think Prey is the best because it gives you the action as well as there's some meat to it. To, that's a terrible. That's a terrible thing to say. No, it works, it works. <laughs> there's a lot more meat in the first one. <laughs> but there's something to it. There's something to pray that it's not just a cartoon. I really cared about these characters in a way that I didn't in the first film. So my vote is for Prey as the best in the franchise. They're all so different. I do agree that you should sort of meet a film on its own terms. By my own logic of what am I going to show my kids first or whatever? Like for historical purposes, you know, I'm glad I did show them the first one, but. Prey, I think, is the most accessible film, you know, because it uses modern conventions and it is not intentionally a B movie. Like it's obviously in a tradition of B movies. It is paying some homage to B movies, but it is not actually trying to be a bad movie. Whereas Predators and all the AVPs, like they were trying to be bad movies. (laughs) Yeah. AVP, yes, but I would not say that Predators are is trying to be a bad movie. A, is, is it trying to be a B movie? Trying to be a, yes. yes, trying to be a silly but a movie. a B movie isn't a bad movie. The Thing, for example, mm. I would say that is an example of a B movie that is absolutely great. Mm-hmm. I only, I only just watched the first half of Alien vs. Predator today. I had seen it years and years and years ago. The way that it starts, it actually has a lot of you know what The Thing had. These horror movies that are sort of slow burn and they show human industry at the beginning like i like when that is actually convincing whereas in even the first predator i didn't care as much you know with their flying in the helicopters and as far as i I can tell the dialogue is only supposed to make you hate these characters and hope that they die (laughs) they're telling each other bad jokes and you know just i'm a big beefcake no i'm a bigger beefcake like it's in a very b-movie oh, tradition it's a <laughs> it's a study of toxic it's a study on toxic masculinity Mark. it's very <laughs> it's very lofty anyway okay your turn your turn man all right so your turn Al. give me your rank what you got dude so it's, it's interesting because the best i think is is the original although prey i think is a close second but that's just for me it's because i have no history with the franchise because prey is a modern film and is shot beautifully, is very, very easy to watch. I think Predator just probably eats it out for me by a hair. However, the one I had the most fun with by a country mile was Predator 2. Interesting. All right, so let's just do the let's do the ranking from from bottom to top. You guys skipped all over the fucking place. Let's let's make a let's make a legitimate list. Bottom of the barrel, ABT Requiem, terrible film. Next up, I'm gonna say Predators, because I I just don't think that works that well. Even though it's a stat cast, I'm I liked it so much better the next. second time seeing it now. When I saw it originally, I was like, what the hell is this? Why is Adrian Brody leading this yeah. thing? I wasn't as familiar with all the, the random cast members. But seeing it now, I thought it was a pretty fun romp. I thought it was pretty fun and, and funny. It is fun, but it's still down there. Now, I'm sorry, maybe it's an issue with me. I can't take seriously Adrian Brody buff. Like, what is that? <laughs> Like what is this? I can't take that. Okay, anyway, next would be AVP. Then it's going to be Predator 2. Now the issue comes down to Predator versus Prey. Wait, what about the Predator? You forgot yeah, about I the forgot Predator. I think we've established that right, Lawrence has the, successfully I, forgotten I forgot, about that. I forgot about that movie. I forgot <laughs> about the movie. The Predator is above Requiem. It's barely above it. Now, 
the issue meet with me has to do with Prey versus Predator. I'm going to go with Predator 1, Prey 2. Like, the first, I cannot express sure. to you, like, how important that film is. Like, that really set the template for action movies. And yeah, it's silly. Yeah, there's a silly buff shit happening, <laughs> beefcake stuff. But it's a really, really good film. It set the template for the premise, and I have to give it credit for that. And also, that score is amazing. It is a legitimately good score. Uh, and that is a score that's kind of persisted through time. So I'm, I'm going to give it the credit that it's such a weird premise. If you suggested, if you pitched that movie in a, in a film where Predator had never existed, it's incredible, not just that it exists, but it exists as such a good, coherent piece of filmmaking. Like everything works. And how the hell you, you just take a, like commando essentially and stick creature from the Black Lagoon in it and it works. It's a remarkable achievement. And also John McTiernan, the director of that film, is a really good action director. Uh, if you look at his IMDb, you'll see he's made a lot of really good top tier action films. And so it works because of the direction. It works because of the, of the acting. It works because of the story. Like everything comes together with that film to make it a really, really good watch. And also, I think that an underappreciated part of that film is the cinematography because they're in the jungle. And just the way that the, the jungle kind of encroaches in on you makes you kind of suffocate. It's a really, really good film. And really they good. were. They were filming on location in Central America. Yeah. I did not realize he's the guy that did Die Hard. So there you go. Right. That was right right after Predator. Yep. John McTiernan is a really good director. All right. So sort of wrap this up, a semi-final topic. So what is the, I mean, we've said a little about it's nice that it's not CGI, that it's a guy in a suit. The psychology you've talked a little bit about, but are these films all too different or is there one thing that sort of makes, why is this so awesome that we have to have, keep having more with this character in it as opposed to, you know, I'm trying to think of a, somebody that did not make the cut. <laughs> Some, I guess there's a reason why those monsters are, are forgotten and don't get seven movies made out of them. What is, we still don't even really know what the dreadlocks are. Somebody says in the predator, which has a lot of meta commentary, like, I think they're sensory and they also comment on like actually calling it the predator as opposed to the hunter or something else. And, you know, there's some nice sort of fan reflections in that film. But what do we think of this as a creature? My sense is that the predator kind of serves a function in these films, kind of like Superman in that it is just a stand in for the most badass physical fighter that can exist in cinema. And then you just have an, a recipe for an infinite movie series where you just put that monster in any situation where there is another group of badasses and watch them duke it out. And it's like, it's just having someone awesome, which can simultaneously showcase how awesome all of the people are in that situation, like your Schwarzeneggers or your Danny Glovers or whoever else it might be. And just see this weird monster doing also awesome stuff. Even if you've got Arnold Schwarzenegger and Carl Weathers and a beefed up Adrian Brody, it's still a David and Goliath type of story. You've got some creature who is virtually indestructible that you have to try and kill. And I just think that's a story that will continue to tell forever. And it will always be interesting. Honestly, I think that what makes this story really so popular is very malleable. So mm -hmm. you can set this story during the Comanche time. You can set it during medieval time. You can set the story in... You know, Japan, the Haida Samurai, like you can set the story anytime you want to set it. And, and it's, it's still going to be a compelling story. It's going to be a good story. And so I think that's part of the reason why it's so attractive. And it works well when it is like a bait and switch where it tells this other story and it kind of switches over into the sci-fi stuff. When you follow that template, it makes it a very compelling story. And so 
there's a lot of filmmakers who are like, yo, let me play in that sandbox. Let me have some fun with it. Let me see what I can do that's interesting, what's new. What makes it bad is when people do what they did with The Predator or AVP and try to give us this mythology and go into the head of The Predator and all that kind of stuff. Like, don't do that. Like, just tell the story from the perspective of humans, given the constraints of the time, and let the story play out. And you got a hit on your hands. It's it, like, if you do it well, it's, it's going to be a good film. Yeah, we don't need to get into the predator psychology or anything. We don't need that at all. See where he was born or well, put his planet. <laughs> Even in Predators, where the plot is, one of the predators, like a smaller one, is tied up. And so the, our, our heroes set it free and then it fights. So they don't even have to fight the main predator, at least for a while, because they fight each other. And that just seemed like a weird deuce ex machina thing that was dodging like the whole task of what is supposed to be a challenge about this. Like we shouldn't think that these things have enough respect for us that you set him free. He should still kill you because he has that much contempt for you. (laughs) I don't know. But again, maybe that involves saying something about the character of their honor or something. And I, I don't want to (laughs) know, as you said, Lawrence, like, can we do a round of where would you drop a predator and make a movie about it? Like what historical time period? Well, you've got something in mind, Al. Start us off. I mean, I was thinking about it and I'd love to see predator in the middle of the Boer war fighting Zulus and English redcoats at the same time. Ah. that, That would be superb because you also i mean this is something we didn't even touch on but there's not predator 2 right but there is i don't know whether accidentally or not it's always in the middle of some kind of colonialist violence i guess in predator 2 it is by proxy as well but we didn't even talk about that i mean they're attracted to the hot spots so yeah we're not going to have just again that was what was wrong with avp requiem avp requiem is just like a small town And the predators. If you don't stop talking about right, that goddamn right. film, man, all come right. on, man. We know the film is trash. We know it's bad. Okay, Lawrence, where's your proposed predator sequel? I would probably <laughs> like to see it in the Middle Ages, man. Like, I, I want to see something like that. Now, I don't know what would be the time, but I would just be interested in the interplay and, and the technology and just what would happen at that particular time. What do you got, Sarah Lynn? How about ancient Rome? Okay, there we go. Gladiators versus. Predator. <laughs> Gladiator. I want to see actual <laughs> Russell Crowe. <laughs> that could be fun. <laughs> Titanic versus Predator. That's what I want to see. Him what? Tearing. Okay, Mark. What, what time period did you say? No, Mark? it's what on the Titanic. It's, it's going down <laughs> and the Predator is, is trying to get oh, free just gosh. like everybody else. He's a... Oh, man. And who's the, who's the action hero for that? Are we getting Leonardo DiCaprio back or... Uh, I think he can be. He's a little. Punk. I he think uh, more Lin Manuel Miranda. I think that he should be. I think there should oh be singing on this Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> I did really get a kick out. At least more, more in theory than actually seeing the video. But there's a thing that I'll link folks to of during the filming of Predator Two of somebody filmed like a dance video. There's a there's a film where. There's a part at the end where a bunch of predators show up. And so they're, and they do really look like Michael Jackson video outfits in terms like thriller or whatever. So if you're going to do that, it just, there's something they seem very easy to make fun of these particular design to me, as opposed to the alien, which is, you know, you have to go to space balls or something and have the little alien dancing out of the person's oh, yeah, stomach. That's true. But the big alien with the spit hanging, like that's a little harder to, <laughs> to make light of. 
<laughs> All right. Well, we filled almost an hour with this ridiculous franchise. <laughs> thanks for thanks for coming. <laughs> the franchise is not ridiculous. What is going on? <laughs> if you don't stop, def- oh my gosh, I'm stop. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Stop defaming Predator. It is a great film franchise, sir. It is some some good late night watching. Let me put it that way. I think Popcorn. Prey is the first one that I could I would watch during the day. <laughs> Maybe that's that's a good <laughs> criteria. <laughs> what is happening? What what are you doing? I'm done. All right. So long, <laughs> listeners. Thanks for joining us. Watch Predator. Get more Pretty Much Pop at prettymuchpop.com. Get bonus content for every episode at patreon.com slash pretty much pop. Pretty Much Pop is part of the Partially Examined Life Podcast Network, and it's also presented by OpenCulture.com.